It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And I appreciate patrons who help make it possible, like Gene and Ben, Trudy and Ron, Rebecca and Taylor, Keith, Yuri, LL, David, Patty, Meredith, Dennis. Uh, they became patrons, and you can as well. And you get exclusive content, by the way, when you do that. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com, and you can become a patron there. You can also subscribe. It's a free daily podcast. You can get it for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And yes, I am aware, uh, just recently made aware of apparently problems with Apple since they started doing their, uh, they did some big update on their operating uh, system. And when they did that, apparently it's messing with podcasts. So I have no control over that. I apologize, but um, there are ways to listen. You can go to thepetecalendarshow.com and listen directly there as well. Um, all right, so Haywood County's Antifa Motel, not exactly getting a warm reception. I wonder why. Um, also, North Carolina lawmakers are racing to run their bills uh, ahead of the so-called crossover deadline. Uh, one of the uh, proposed pieces of legislation uh, is criminal justice reform. And joining me now is Mark Hyden. He is the Director of State Government Affairs with the R Street Institute. And you can read his work at rstreet.org. And welcome to the show, Mark. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Sure, certainly. So um, we're talking about criminal justice reform. Um, I think it's, is it criminal justice reform week or month or something like that? I think I saw something about that. If it was up to me, it'd be criminal justice reform year. Like infrastructure week. <laughs> so, <laughs> Even better. Right. So uh, a couple of things uh, that uh, North Carolina popped up on your radar for some of these uh, for some of these issues. The first, there are two different bills, I guess, we should, or one's a law, one's a bill. Uh, the Second Chance Act and then the Clean Slate Act. So first, the Second Chance Act. This is something North Carolina has already done, right? Yeah, last year they passed a, a very solid piece of legislation that, that moved the football in the right direction toward toward the goalpost. And essentially what it does, it, it creates uh, expanded access to criminal record, record expungements for people who, who may have committed a misdemeanor or have some sort of misdemeanor charge on their record, uh, but they've remained um, out of trouble for the past seven years or more. So it allows them to get that off their record and help them get back to work more easily so they don't have to carry that scarlet letter. And that, so this is already law, and this is for uh, misdemeanors, nonviolent, right, non-sexual offenses, right? So this is... Uh, I don't want to say minor, but in the in the criminal justice system, yes, these are the more minor of the two. Sure, these are, are primarily petty offenses. These are small time minor misdemeanors. Now, it doesn't include uh, DUIs. That is a completely different subset that is excluded from this. But these are are the kinds of of offenses that I think most North Carolinians would say, yes, we do need to give these people a second chance. Right. Um, does it? I remember. I would get phone calls from people who would ask me this um, or anytime I had a lawyer on <laughs> the show, uh, they would ask uh, about uh, uh, gun ownership. Right. If they had if they had a conviction, a lot of times they could not ever get a concealed carry. They couldn't get, you know, licenses or whatever for for firearm purchases. So does the Second Chance Act, does it have an impact on that firearm ownership? Well, these are misdemeanor charges, so it shouldn't have an impact either way. Okay. And then what about the Clean Slate Act? This is 
what kind of along the same lines, but for felonies? In a way. So what we've got right now in North Carolina, I mean, I look at criminal justice reform as uh, much uh, about redemption, rehabilitation, as well as promoting jobs, uh, because between, I think, a quarter and one third of North Carolinians have some sort of criminal record and they carry that with them most of their lives. And it makes it hard for them to, to get a job, to go to college, because 90 percent of employers and 72 percent of colleges require background checks. And they may see these marks on your back even though it may have been decades ago when you committed uh, a crime, and that may uh, exclude you from consideration. Uh, but we want people to get to work. We want them to get educated because we found that uh, people who have had their records expunged, um, their earnings go up by about 25%. Uh, and the science has shown that if they remain out of trouble and, and don't have any sort of uh, reoffenses within a certain specified period of just a handful of years, then their rates of reoffending are about the same as, as you and I uh, getting arrested. So very low. Uh, but the problem that we have with the Second Chance Act, and that was my long way of getting around to it, is that it doesn't uh, extend to some felonies. And there are a lot of crimes uh, out there that are nonviolent non-sexual that do qualify as felonies, uh, including some drug offenses. So the uh, Senator Britt's bill would extend that to people who have one felony or up to two felonies um, that are uh, of the non-sexual, non-violent uh, form. And if they've remained out of trouble for uh, 10 to 20 years, then they would qualify for uh, expungement. Uh, my only problem with that is waiting 20 years to, to be able to finally get a good job. Uh, that's an awful long time to wait, and I'd like to see that uh, move down. Right. All right. So there's a lot to unpack there. First off, you mentioned this question. I suspect this is probably going to be the biggest question that people have when they hear this, the reoffending uh, component, right? The recidivism. So um, somebody who commits a crime, a nonviolent felony, but a felony nonetheless, um, what are their chances? You're, you're saying that once they have the expungement, then chances are they're not going to reoffend or that the people who aren't reoffending are the ones that would be eligible only for the expungement. You're correct on both counts. So only people who have been crime-free for a specified time period would qualify for this. So uh, as it stands right now, you'd have to be remain crime-free for seven years before you could get certain misdemeanor charges taken off of your record. And we found that people that have been out of out of uh, trouble that long have very low reoffender rates that are essentially the equivalent to you and I. Uh, but then with people who have had their records expunged, uh, they have the same low reoffense rate that is the equivalent to the general population. So these are very safe, law-abiding, completely rehabilitated, or as close to rehabilitated as you possibly can get. Um, so these are the folks we want to reintegrate into society and, and to get good-paying jobs to provide for their families. And uh, this then, uh, on this clean slate bill, this now gets to the uh, the waiting period. Uh, and I've got actually a copy of the bill here uh, pulled up in front of me. And it says, uh, and there there are different several different provisions. So like one nonviolent misdemeanor five years after the date of conviction or when any active sentence period of probation or post-release supervision has been served. So there's that component for the nonviolent misdemeanors, but there, uh, then there's a provision for uh, more than one nonviolent misdemeanor, and that's seven years. And then there's one nonviolent felony, and that's 10 years. 
And then there's for expunction of two nonviolent felonies, that's 20 years. So I'm not sure people, I know it's a lot of numbers and numbers isn't good to do <laughs> on radio. But um, so in, in essence, you've got, you know, one misdemeanor, two misdemeanor, and those are five and seven years. And then you've got the one felony, two felonies, and that's 10 and 20. So why would, why are those numbers, do you have any insight as to why those numbers of 10 and 20 aren't sort of synchronized or harmonized rather with five and seven? Why the difference in the numbers? Uh, they're arbitrary. They, ah. There's no rhyme or reason <laughs> okay. to them because the science tells us that that's too long of a period that, you know, it could, it's a handful of years that if they remain crime free, that we should ex extend uh, expunction to them because we know that the likelihood of them reoffending is, is uh, incredibly low. So uh, what that tells me is, you know, I, Pete, I don't know how old you are. And, uh, but for me in 20 years from now, you know, I'm going to be looking forward to, you know, retirement in the not too distant <laughs> future 20 years from now. But if someone were to commit a crime or two crimes today, uh, two nonviolent felonies, they wouldn't begin to get a good job until I'm ready for retirement. And I just, I, I think that's too long to wait. We should help these people, uh, get back to work, but we should incentivize good behavior. And I think that's what this will do. So for the record, I'm 47. Yeah, 47. So yeah, 20 years from if I committed a, a, a violent or I guess two nonviolent, sorry, nonviolent felonies, I would be 67, <laughs> which I wouldn't be able to work anyway. And I guess this makes more sense for someone in their 20s, late teens, early 20s. But still, you're at, I mean, you'd essentially be my age now when you're able to have that expunction occur. Um and now there are other programs in states like South Carolina's got when they do pretrial intervention types of programs. Uh, so these do exist. This isn't exactly new. Um, are there other states that have this clean slate legislation already in place? Or do you have any ideas to what other states have done along these lines and how it compares? Sure. Pennsylvania, I believe, was the first state to enact this back in 2018. And Virginia has since done it. Uh, but every state varies uh, considerably on how they, they uh, draft their clean slate uh, legislation. Several other states are considering it this year as well. And I think we're ripe for change uh, in North Carolina. I would just like to see a few tweaks in this and ensure that there is a stronger automatic component uh, for expunction. And the reason I say that is right now, um, prosecutors could file for expunction if they would like to. So it's it's almost automatic if they would like it to be. It's permissive in that form. Uh, but in states like North Carolina, where it isn't de facto automatic, a lot of people don't take advantage of these programs because, one, they don't know it's available. Two, it's a highly technical process. You have to pay court fees to get it off of your record. And you generally have to hire an attorney. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about people that are unemployed or underemployed, and that just is another burden. It's hard for them to clear that. Right. It gets So what would an automatic expunction system look like? And then, well, let's just start there because there's a follow-up I've got. So, let, so what, is, what would a system that's automatic, what would it look like? Well, I mean, I think it would be a, very similar to what we've we've got here. That as soon as someone has reached, uh, you know, the threshold of five or seven years of being crime free, uh, it it uh, triggers some sort of mechanism to where it, it creates a process, thereby uh, clearing the record of that. Uh, so I, it's it's not entirely uh, out of 
uh, out of the realm of possibility, given that other states are already doing this. And I think it would just lower the barriers and help people reintegrate. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, somebody I'm assuming somebody would have to do the research on the person to find out, like, I guess, first off, are they even still living in that state? Right. And a, a lot of these expunction orders, you have to go to the county where you committed the crime, where you were convicted in order to ask for the expunction, right? You've got to go there. So would that be a county level deal? Would that be a state level deal? And then someone's got to initiate it somehow. And then they got to track down the person, right? If they haven't asked for it themselves. Um, and then the, uh, the follow-up though, is that um, the people who have the expunction uh, that's, that's done for them. Um, I, I'm not so sure that I don't know if you get people on board with the idea that uh, you can uh, you can have this wiped away clean and then you you get to commit another crime and now you're going to be sentenced as like a first time offender. No. Well, I mean, they're going to be crime free for an incredibly long period of time before they even qualify for this. So these are people that aren't reoffending. And a lot of times with individuals, they, they kind of age out on crimes anyway. So these are folks that are probably settling down with their families. Um, would they qualify for a first offender status? I'm not sure that they would the way the statute is written. Hmm. Uh, however, I, I don't think that's a major concern because these are these are folks that have proven themselves to be rehabilitated uh, and, you know, ha have the same actions as you and I. Right. And to be clear, also traffic violations, uh, they don't count against somebody. Right. If like you if you're waiting on this 10 year period or whatever it is, you get pulled over <laughs> for a broken taillight. Uh, that's not going to that's not going to jeopardize an expunction. Right, right. No, very minor things, minor traffic violations. They would not put that in jeopardy. But you know, like I mentioned before, DUIs, they don't apply here. Those stay on your record. Uh, and obviously, an arrest of that form would uh, place this in jeopardy. Right. Uh, is there anything else on this topic that you think is important or interesting to add that we haven't already covered? No, I, I think we, you've done a fantastic job. And I, I think this is just important that uh, North Carolina take a stand on on uh, incentivizing rehabilitation and, and redemption and, and promoting jobs simultaneously. Mark Hyden, the director, state government affairs at the R Street Institute. Thanks for your time, Mark. I, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. So May 13th is what's called the crossover deadline, crossover day. It's in the legislature where bills that are run in the House have to be uh, done and crossed over into the Senate and the Senate bills have to be done and sent over to the House. So crossover day, and that's the deadline, May 13th. So lawmakers are scrambling to get their bills out of committees and get them you know, through the full House or Senate and then crossing over to the other body by the deadline. Uh, one of the bills is House Bill 566, which would make moving a mattress on the roof of a vehicle prohibited by law. <laughs> okay, so if you've done this, moved a mattress on the roof of the car, that would be illegal if this bill becomes law. By the way, if you get your mattress from Mattress Man, you never have to worry about this because they have uh, local five-star delivery service and nationwide shipping. So if you don't want to have to strap the mattress on the roof of the vehicle and drive it across country... You know, looking up all of the laws of every state that you pass through, making sure that it's not against the law to do that. Uh, just 
order for Mattress Man. Just get your bed for Mattress Man. And right now, you can celebrate spring with a free box spring from uh, the Biltmore Collection. So when you buy a mattress from the Biltmore Collection, uh, you can get a free box spring at Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com. Mattress Man is an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection with its you know luxurious design and its uh, exclusive technology that will give you a more restorative, a healthier sleep because you get optimal balance and pressure point relief and support with these mattresses. Also, tons of flexible financing options, uh, like Synchrony Finance offers zero down, zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants. Uh, if you've got, you know, not so great credit, don't worry. Uh, they've, Like I said, they've got multiple options. Go to the website, mattressmanstores.com, and then you click the financing link, and you can actually apply and get pre-approved before you even walk into the store any of their four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and in Arden, their new location in the IHOP shopping center there. Um, experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. So I'm not kidding. There is this law being proposed. Uh, this would not apply uh, to the transport of a mattress that is secured in a truck's rear cargo area that is designed primarily for the transportation of property. That is a quote from the law. So don't worry, this bill from uh, Representative Lee Zachary, Republican from Yadkin, uh, it would not affect pickup trucks, okay, because you're supposed to be hauling them in a pickup truck. And uh, he says, actually, you need to find a friend with a pickup, don't jeopardize people's lives, <laughs> which I could tell you, I've never owned a pickup truck, but I have friends uh, who owned and do own pickup trucks. And there is a general understanding among this population that when you own a pickup it is a uh, it's sort of an obligation to help people move and for the for the ones who don't actually want to help other people move they just swap out cars i've had that happen where a pickup truck owner will say here take my pickup and i'll just drive your car and so we just swap cars for a weekend and i use their pickup to move whatever i want to move um if they don't want to actually help me because they're like, you know, they're not really good friends, but they're like an acquaintance with a pickup truck. And so <laughs> so they let me swap the car. Uh, a 2017 report, by the way, by the AAA found at least 50, 50 mattress-related crashes during 2015 and 2017 over a two-year period. So about 25 crashes a year in America. So like... One in two states. So you pick any two states, chances are one of them had a crash <laughs> in the year. <laughs> so it's not exactly a huge problem here. Uh, Representative uh, Lee Zachary said the bill could be amended to include any highway whose speed limit is above 45, because right now it's, uh, I think it's above 55. Uh, the North Carolina Transportation Department said that, hey, we appreciate any effort to help the department in highway safety and anti-littering campaigns, because Zachary was like, and I do wonder if this is like, if it's, is it more about the crashes or is it more about all the mattresses along the interstate that you see? Um so, yeah, I, I don't know, uh, but this is a uh, it's a House bill and it's uh, in committee. There's another bill. Let's see. This one is um, in the House as well. Right. Republican leadership in the General Assembly introduced legislation to increase penalties for rioting across North Carolina. House Bill 805. There it is. There's a yeah 800. There are more than 800 bills. <laughs> in the yeah in the legislative session it's nuts this is this is a lot of bills i don't remember there being this many bills but um it would establish a new level of felony penalties for rioters who cause property damage or serious bodily injury or death to others 
including physical violence to first responders. The bill also allows owners who sustain damage to their businesses um, or, or if they're you know physically harmed themselves, they're going to be allowed to sue the perpetrators for up to three times the actual damages sustained in addition to legal fees. And <laughs> this, of course, has lefties all upset because, by golly, if I can't demonstrate and burn stuff down and hurt people, what's the First Amendment even for? <laughs> Why do we have it? <laughs> I'm reminded of the, the viral video of that YouTuber dude who, or maybe it was a TikTok video, where he took the video from Chris Cuomo, whose brother is the governor of New York and killed a bunch of people. Anyway, uh, Chris Cuomo on CNN, and he was like, you know, where does it say that, you, that, you know, we can't demonstrate and it has to be peaceful? Where does it say that? And the kid's like, uh, right here, and he points to the First Amendment, you know, peaceably assemble. <laughs> Says It's right there in the rule. You can peaceably assemble. You're not allowed to destroy people's stuff. It's a pretty bright line. And so there's this kid on uh, on Twitter. I call him a kid. He's probably in his 20s now. Um, but he was, I think he was like an intern, and then maybe he became a staffer over at the General Assembly, and he's a lefty. And his, his name is Lorkin. Lor L -O yeah, well, I mean, on Twitter it is, Lorcan. And, um, you know, it, it does. It sounds like one of the shots that you give when someone ODs. Get some Lorcan over here. Anyway, he says, funny how we haven't seen any coverage of this bill from uh, the John Locke Foundation or academics who are usually quick to point out the cancel culture finger at the left. And then someone else, because uh, he was responding to this tweet, who said, I can't find any news on this, but it looks like the legislature is trying to pass a bill forcing the UNC system to expel and revoke financial aid from students for protesting. Yet, no, they're not trying to do that for students who are protesting. They're doing that for students who destroy state property. Because I think that makes sense, don't you? If you are getting some benefit from the state government, from the public taxpayer till, then uh, I don't think you should be able to destroy things that are funded from the taxpayer till. Does that make sense? I don't think you should be able to start destroying things on campus and expect to get a tuition break at that campus. I mean, does this not follow? It seems pretty logical to me. Doesn't it to you? If it does, then congratulations, you're not a leftist. But to them, this is, oh, I can't believe it. How dare you tie some sort of, you know, punitive uh, punishment here to my, uh, uh, to my protesting? How dare you do that? I should be able to destroy that building on campus and still get a tuition break. How dare you jeopardize my scholarship by saying I can't hurt people and break stuff? <laughs> Other bills. House Bill 436 would require mental health screenings for police as well as periodic mental health check-ins. By the way, this was an idea that the former head of the Asheville uh, Fraternal Order of Police uh, talked about with us a couple of, well, probably now almost a year ago. Um, this was one of his things that he wanted to see done for law enforcement officers, especially new guys on the force. When you join the force, like they try to prepare you and desensitize you to some of this stuff, but there's only so much that you can do to prepare yourself for the things that you're going to see on the job. And so uh, dealing with that, talking to people about that, uh, he recommended that. And so I, I think this is a good idea. Periodic health screenings and mental or mental health check ins. House Bill 536 would require officers who see colleagues using excessive force to intervene. 
House Bill 547 would require organizations that certify local law enforcement to search a national database of decertifications that's maintained by the International Association of Law Enforcement Standards and Trainings uh, and Training uh, before certifying the officer. So I think all of those are good ideas. By the way, this is from the Carolina Journal. Uh, you can read their work at carolinajournal.com. And um, so, yeah, I think all of these are fine. I think all of these bills, their intended purpose, their stated purpose, I think are fine. Because you want you want cops to be able to uh, to talk to somebody, right, to deal with the stuff that they're seeing, like, you know, dead kids splattered all over the road after a nasty car accident, Um you know, the, the violence that people exact upon each other, uh, you know, officers see that stuff. And uh, I think that's a good idea to have them be able to talk to somebody. I think it's a good idea to require cops to, you know, a duty to intervene. You see, just like they would if you saw someone else breaking the law, if they saw a civilian breaking the law, right, that they would intervene. I would think that they should do so as well if it's a cop. And this also, by the way, gives them protection because now if they don't do it, they're liable, right? They would be held liable if the cop is breaking the law and, um, you know, somebody's videotaping it, for example. House Bill 547, this is the decertification issue. This is, let me see here, I got a write-up on, they call it the Bad Apple Bill. Let me see here. And yeah, here it is, the Bad Apple Bill. This is 355. So these are two different bills. But a lot of stuff, okay, I need to say this. Because when crossover approaches here, as it is, things get kind of crazy, okay? <laughs> things get kind of crazy at the General Assembly where they start, I mean, think bills get gutted. They call it, you know, gutting and amending, which I never liked that term. I prefer gut and stuff. That's just a personal preference, gut and stuff. So you take the current bill that's already made its way through a process and you gut it and you stuff it with some other things, right? And uh, so when, when, you, when you're on a deadline of the General Assembly, like a lot of this movement happens. It's a flurry of activity. Bills are trying to get out because if they don't get this stuff out of committee, then the bills basically die. So uh, all of these uh, sponsors of their bills are trying to get their bills through. So you got 547. This would uh, essentially require uh, cops or law enforcement agencies when they're hiring to make sure that the cop they're hiring didn't get fired for some abuses at another precinct or another district, right? Or another uh, department, rather, another city. So I I'm totally fine with that. And so it seems like those are good steps to, uh, uh, to monitor police activity. But I also think it's a good idea to throw the book at the rioters as well. Yeah, absolutely. Throw the book at them. Property damage, seriously, uh, serious bodily injury. Uh, yeah, let people sue them and uh, make them new level of fel uh, felony penalties. Totally fine with all of that. Totally fine with revoking tuition breaks and all sorts of credits that uh, Antifa students enjoy when, uh, once they uh, cross the line into violent behavior. Again, if you want to march and you want to uh, peaceably assemble, you want to demonstrate, you want to do sit-ins and all that stuff, totally fine. When you start breaking stuff and you start hurting people, you've gone too far. And there are there should be punishments for that, ramifications for that. Uh, let me, I'll get to the bad apple bill in a second. If you got a bad apple in the shed, namely like an old uh, lawnmower or weed eater or uh, hedge trimmers, uh, maybe uh, chainsaws, go to General Equipment Rental. They've got all of the tools that you need to do battle with your yard. 
Okay, and right now things are getting hairy, right? It's just like the General Assembly with the crossover. It's like you got you got stuff just coming at you every different direction, um, because this is the grow season, right? So you need to tame the wilderness that's trying to take over the yard, and you need the tools to do it. And General Equipment has them, so you need General Equipment Rental. It's all very logical, all very logical. GeneralRents.com is their website. GeneralRents.com. Whatever the project, big or small. General Equipment Rental has the tool that you need, whether you're buying. They've got Husqvarna and Honda uh, uh, yard equipment, power, outdoor uh, power equipment, and um, they're the official licensed dealers for both of those lines. If you're looking to rent, they've got huge tools and they've got small tools. They've got air tools, compressors, scaffolding. Um, they've got everything. Okay, I could, like I could sit here and list every single tool, but I would be here. That would be the whole podcast. And that... I don't think you'd want to sit here and listen to me just rattle off all the tools. They've got a ton. Go to the website, generalrents.com, General Equipment Rental in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, family owned and operated for three generations. General Equipment Rental. Think outside your toolbox. All right, so the Bad Apple Bill, um, a government transparency bill. It would make police, teachers, and other public employees disciplinary records public. This according to the News and Observer article by Don Vaughn. The bill comes as there is more scrutiny nationwide on the personnel records of law enforcement and other government employees in the wake of police shootings. In North Carolina, she writes, if someone was demoted, that is already a public record. Uh, however, if Senate Bill 355, the Government Transparency Act, becomes law, a general description of the reasons for demotion, dismissal, transfer, or other change in the position would be included in what's public, as it already is for promotions. Okay, so you follow. So if somebody gets promoted, uh, the reason why they're promoted is a public record, and that's fine. If they're demoted or fired, that's not. Demotion or dismissal or transfer, we don't find out why they were, just that they were. John Midget, he is the executive director of the North Carolina Police Benevolent Association. He says that the group is not opposed to the bill. Not opposed to it. The PBA, North Carolina PBA, not opposed to the bill. They say uh, it is an effort at transparency. Quote, no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop. And he asked for an amendment to the bill that would at least give police officers notice of records being released, saying that sometimes officers are disciplined, quote, for matters of political expediency. We're in the news all the time now, he said, and that 99% of it is false. He says, quote, we're losing our best and brightest. And he asked for a change to the bill, which could come later if it goes to the Senate floor, which, by the way, I was checking before the podcast. And um, this actually was brought up in committee today. And Dawn Vaughn from the News and Observer was covering it. And uh, I'm going to tell you, she says that because uh, it did get amended and. Do, 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 do. The amendment today, which replaces the bill, changes it so that nothing is disclosed if prohibited by HIPAA or other federal law. It also would not be posted until 30 days after an employee finalized any appeal and grievance process, which, of course, people will complain about like, well, we need to know right now, you know, and like short circuit due process. They really, I think there really should be a focus more in, uh, in K-12 education on due process. 
and actually into college as well, because colleges don't seem to understand the concept either. Uh, due process means that we have rules, we all live by them, and if um, and if you know you're accused of something, that due process is followed. Which, by the way, just as an aside, did you hear that they found some video of one of the jurors from the Derek Chauvin trial? Derek Chauvin, the cop that was convicted uh, in the death of George Floyd. Well, this video apparently shows one of the jurors at a Black Lives Matter protest or something before the trial ever started. I think, you know, before he was selected as a juror and he's wearing a T-shirt, makes reference to George Floyd. And so that's grounds for appeal. (laughs) So, yeah, Uh, we're going to have to do it all over again, looks like. So that's why due process is important. So you don't end up with stuff like this, with mistrials and the like. Um, Two changes that were made to the bill uh, uh, earlier were to include the 80,000 UNC system employees. So all of the uh, workers at the UNC system, they're in the bill. And to clarify that sheriff's office employees are also included. And the Sheriff's Association of the state asked for that change. They join the state, city, county, and other government employees who would all be affected by the bill. So that's all good news, I think, don't you? Here's some more good news. I've got a real estate agent to get your house sold. I do. It's Rowena Patton. Oh, yeah. It's Rowena Patton. Of course it is. She outsells 99% of the realtors in the entire state. She and her all-star powerhouse team, uh, they uh, get homes sold fast and for more money. And if you're looking for a home, well, they can help you with that too. And if you are a uh, member of the military, former or active duty, retiree, whatever, uh, if you are a police officer, if you're a firefighter, healthcare professional, or an educator, then you can be part of the Homes for Heroes program, buying or selling. It's a national program that gives you 25% back from the realtor commissions. And Rowena's already given back like $800,000 to local folks in those professions. So keep more of your own money. It's just the way that she wants to say thank you to local folks for doing that kind of work. Uh, Look her up online, mountainhomehunt.com, or give her a call at 333-4483. That's 333-4483. Tell her you heard it here, and uh, then when you hang up, start packing, because that's how fast she moves. (laughs) She's going to get your house sold fast very quickly. Okay, um, Maggie Valley in Haywood County. I did not get the memo from the Chamber of Commerce that uh, they were opening up a uh, an Antifa motel. But, um, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, maybe they didn't want a ribbon cutting, a big ceremony, that kind of thing. Well, you know, Antifa, they're not all about the publicity. I mean, it's like, what, you could just have a bunch of people standing up there in, you know, black riot gear and, uh, you know, uh, trying to cover up all the camera lenses during the, during the groundbreaking or whatever. Well, actually, it's not a groundbreaking. Because the motel already existed. It's the RV park and motel. It used to be called um, Apple something or other. Hang on, I have it here. It's in the stack of stuff. Apple Cover. Apple Cover Inn. And um, back in 2014, the owners of the Apple Cover Inn uh, had the inn and motel uh, RV park. had it. Uh, they, they had it seized from them, taken by a court and given to a guy who had set himself on fire, as best I can tell. On the proper on the property, and um, yeah, so I, I, it appears they did not have insurance, and so the guy sued them and then took the whole property from them, and now they're running a totally woke social justice moral preening uh, RV park and uh, motel. <laughs> 
which I got questions about this. I really do. I have some real questions about private property ownership among the uh, among the Antifa set. Okay. Like, how dare you? You guys are leftists. You're like commies. You know, why do you believe you should be owning this property in the first place? Um, so what's the story? Well, they posted up on their marquee. You know, they got so. All right. So they take over this place. They have they change the name. I'm not going to give them any publicity. I'm calling it the Antifa Motel or the Antifa Hideaway. Let's call it that the Antifa Hideaway and um, or social justice campground. How about that? Whatever. Antifa Hideaway. So they change the the. Uh, the sign out front and they put up on the marquee um, ACAB. You know what that means? ACAB. It means all cops are bees. And the B is a word for uh, a person who is born without a father in their life. Okay. All cops are bees. And this is a, uh, it's an acronym that Antifa uses. That's why I keep calling it the Antifa Hideaway, because um, you don't use that acronym unless you're all in on that messaging. Like the people who know what that means, they are of a particular burn it down persuasion. Okay, Uh, these are the people calling for the abolition of police departments. They're the ones out in the streets, you know, demonstrating, rioting, uh, hurting people, uh, vandalizing stuff. And so they oh, but oh, the sign also does say family friendly. I should point that out, too. It's a family friendly motel and RV park. And then they changed the sign to say ACAB, A-C-A-B, exclamation point, the barrel is rotten. So in other words, it's not just one or two bad apples. The whole barrel is rotten. So all cops, that's what they, all cops are bad. There's a yard sign underneath. This is my favorite part. There's a yard sign uh, stuck in like the planter bed at the foot of this sign. And the yard sign underneath says, quote, we believe black lives matter. Love is love. Feminism is for everyone. No human being is illegal. Science is real. Be kind to all. (laughs) Be kind to all. Except those cops. They're all bees. (laughs) They're all (laughs) bees. Yeah, that's. This is uh, so. I was talking with my friend Mark Starling on the on his morning show on uh, WWNC in Asheville this morning, and I don't understand how people think that uh, if I start off with the name calling, that somehow or another we're going to have a productive conversation. And that's, by the way, what these owners of this motel claim to be really in it for. Like, oh, we're so glad we can now have a discussion like that. Guys, I'm not interested in discussing your views. I I looked at them and it reads like a copy and paste from all the Antifa literature, uh, all of the abolish the police, defund the police literature. I'm not interested in listening to you when you start off with the Antifa slogan. Sorry. Oh, and by the way, the backlash, I mean, it's hilarious. It really is. Like, just reading through, and they haven't taken this stuff down. It's all still on their Facebook page. And, it, uh, it, by the way, if you join the Pete Callender Facebook group, and I allow you in, then um, you can see what people have been discussing this, but there are links there to this organization or to the the yeah to the business. Again, I'm, I'm not interested in giving them any free publicity out of this, so I'm not going to give their name. Um, the Antifa Hideaway. Um, Clyde's Restaurant. In Waynesville, they changed their sign. They were like right down the road. And they were like, we proudly support our local law enforcement. And then they put out a statement on Facebook as well. Um, There was another restaurant uh, nearby. Let's see, where was this one? I thought there was an article. There was Clyde's. 
because W-L-O-S-T-V, here it is. Um, yeah, the Holiday Motel owner, Robert Edwards, he has a sign that says, Welcome, we proudly support our law enforcement, one love all humanity. Look, this is the thing. I mean, they're trying to, the Antifa owners, are they're trying to just, you know, carve out a niche for themselves here. I mean, yes, there's this, you know, there's a main thoroughfare on the way to like Cherokee and, and there's like a lot of these hotels and motels and RV camper uh, spots along the way. Um, but I mean, those are all geared towards, you know, families and, uh, you know, retirees, probably more conservative folks that... There really isn't anybody in the market that's, you know, addressing the Antifa crowd, right? I mean, because they have to camp out someplace too, you know, right? I mean, that's a tough life, going all around, burning stuff down. I mean, you can't very well stay in the places that you've destroyed. I mean, they're, they're destroyed. you got to move someplace else. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Let's start up the Antifa hideaway, and uh, we can just kind of organize from here. See, it. Yeah, see, now that I'm explaining it, maybe there's a method behind this madness. Maybe they're not just, uh, you know, spoiled kids um, that are delusional. Maybe it's a marketing ploy. Although TripAdvisor had to shut them down because (laughs) they're getting spammed with all of these uh, opponents that are like, you stink, we hate you, and uh, your place is trash. And they just give them all these negative reviews. And so TripAdvisor uh, had to post up on their uh, their app, their website, due to a recent event that has attracted media attention and has caused an influx of review submissions that do not describe a firsthand experience, we have temporarily suspended publishing new reviews for this listing. Um And it says, you know, if you had a firsthand experience, check back soon. Uh, We're looking forward to receiving your review. So there is like a cooling off period. And as I mentioned to Mark, there's a reason why TripAdvisor has this mechanism in place, right? Because this is how the left has been operating for years. And these, uh, these ratings apps and websites have had to figure out how to protect businesses that get um, targeted like this because of something unrelated to the actual operation of the business. And on the Facebook post from this Antifa hideaway group, uh, the motel owner, what they're um, they're being attacked and you know by all these conservatives and stuff, but they're also being defended by leftists who are accusing the conservatives of like, I thought you were against cancel culture. Yeah, I did too. Uh, But these are the rules. Now, we all play by the cancel culture rules, apparently. And um, I told you guys, you're not going to like it when we adopt your standards. And here we are. Here we are. And so now they're using your tactics against you. And this is the race to the bottom. So this is where we are. Um, TripAdvisor shut uh, shut them down. But it's funny when you go to their Facebook post, they've got almost 10,000 comments and one and a half thousand fifteen hundred shares. So that's a pretty good ratio. It's like a ten to one <laughs> ratio of people that are just, uh, you know, screaming at them, commenting at them. Um, so that's the first thing. Oh, and by the way, one of the people that's been uh, pretty vocal on all of this is uh, Tim over at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's been lighting them up over on the Facebook. Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, real U.S. military surplus. Okay, go check him out at oldgrouch.com. Uh, he's got all of the equipment that you need 
Um, if you are going outdoors, if you're going to go hiking and camping and stuff, uh, you need to have a first aid kit. You need backpacks. You need outdoor gear. He's got it all. Real U.S. military grade stuff. And so it's made in America and it's top quality. It's durable. It's going to last you a long time. Uh, he's also got gun accessories ammo cans he gets all sorts of new stuff in all the time so uh head on in there he's in downtown clyde on main street across the street from the anti-aircraft gun if you've uh, gone to the antifa hideaway you've gone too far uh or go to oldgrouch.com go to the website that's open 24 7 oldgrouch.com so after they post their um their sign they get all this blowback they then go on to facebook and they say excellent ACAB got everyone's attention, just like we knew it would. Posts are spreading like wildfire, and a discussion has started. So now, let's talk about police reform. What do we believe? I don't care. I don't care what you believe. I don't. Because you started off with an insult. You started off by calling all cops bees. I don't care to listen to anything you have to say about any of this. Because you're an unserious person on reform efforts. Because if all cops are as bad as you say they are, why would you attempt to even enact reforms? So I don't care what you have to say. Um, They then posted, (laughs) after that Facebook post a couple days ago, they then posted another uh, message that said, now that some of the initial excitement has died down and we're all a little calmer, we've actually had some folks reach out to us for a real dialogue about reform. Yeah. Um, are they all of the same political persuasion as you? Or, or oh, well, let me guess, you got like some real back the blue people that are like, OK, let's talk with you about this stuff. We want you to know, they said, that we do want to get back to you, but we are still swamped with messages, so we're slogging through them when we have the time. We do appreciate your patience. Thank you for participating in a necessary discussion. See, we just called you these a, a terrible word because we, we're trying to help you, right? It's all about a discussion. Thank you also, they say, to the folks who have spent their time and energy addressing the hate on this page. We can't reach out to everyone individually, but we know that you and do appreciate your support for folks asking how they can support us. We're still looking for 501c3 partners while we wait for our paperwork so we can get back to feeding our neighbors in need. Oh, yeah. See, so this is another uh, uh, side story here to all of this is that they have worked with um, an organization uh, in Haywood County called Feeding the Multitudes and um They then post up on another message on Facebook saying, we have been notified through back channels that a lot of donors to Feeding the Multitudes are pulling their donations because they are prioritizing their hurt feelings over feeding their neighbors in need. In response, Feeding the Multitudes has decided to cut ties with us. Hey, um, Antifa, they don't need Feeding the Multitudes does not need you to feed the multitudes. They're perfectly able to do all of that themselves. They have been doing that. You wanted to join them in helping them do that, and that's fantastic. You wanted to help, but now you're freaking radioactive. You're toxic. They don't want anything to do with you. And in fact, that's kind of what they said because they posted a response. They said, um, I, they said, look, we reached out to you the way we always have reached out to you. Like we don't ever, we've never talked directly with you. There was apparently some other woman and she's like the go between. Um, and here's what they said, quote, 
I have never reached out through private message or any other way other than this woman. I kindly ask that you remove any and all mention of feeding the multitudes from your page and your rants. I have never stood against our law enforcement or posted anything political in my charity. Okay? And and this makes sense. If you set up a charity to feed the hungry, then that's what you should focus on doing, right? Stick to your knitting. You should focus on the thing that is your comparative advantage, okay? And that's what they're doing. Because when you start engaging in this kind of uh, political uh, rhetoric, you're going to alienate people. And this is something millennials don't understand. They see this as a, uh, they see it as a positive. They want to know, well, what are your, what's your company's politics? Because I'm not going to support that company if I don't agree with all your politics. Name somebody you agree with on all things. I mean, even yourself, right? So feeding the multitudes also put out, or the multitudes, sorry, it's a singular. They also put out a statement that said, words have power that many refuse to see. Assumptions have a power that many forget. Feeding the multitude has one mission, and that is to feed the multitudes. Sometimes we are at events where others are located, and sometimes we provide food or organizations who may be okay with being political. Our purpose is to be a light to anyone without questions, judgment, or prejudice. We only partner and work with Haywood Outdoor Pantries. We are not a partner with this Antifa hideaway motel and their views are not ours we are proud supporters of law enforcement officers and firemen and first responders we just happen to have been in an event that they were at as well as two other vendors we'll continue our journey uh but at from this point on several times with that place um but not with the haywood outdoor pantries because they like us have been caught in this crossfire we look forward to continuing our journey at the end of the day it's all about getting food into the hands of those who need it. Now, I mentioned this earlier. There's a bit of history here. The The previous owners of the Apple Cover Inn had a post on Facebook in 2014, and here's what it said. To all of our customers and friends, we miss being there for you, and we are sorry that the motel closed the way it did. I'm offering a little history and explanation. A few years ago, a young man, supposedly an Eagle Scout that should have known better, took it upon himself to pour gasoline from my stock of gas for my golf cart onto a live fire, which, as I understand, is not a good thing. Like pouring gasoline on a fire is generally not a good thing because the fire catches the gasoline on fire and then it races up the gasoline stream and it lands on you and then, yeah, you get burned. And That's what happened. Needless to say, he says, it lit him up pretty bad. At no time did I tell him to use the gasoline, nor was it there for that purpose. I actually was the one that put him out, and he would have uh, been a lot worse off if I hadn't, perhaps dead. We didn't think the family would sue us, but you know today's world. In our move back to Florida, we were not served as thoroughly as we should have been and missed a court date. They received a default judgment. They agreed to take the motel as a full satisfaction of the judgment, which in itself was a blessing, but losing the motel in such a way was devastating. And they say, we wish it turned out differently, but this is the way it happened, and we can accept it and move on. Okay, so this was seven years ago. So that's who has the place now. They got it because one of the people in this couple, there's a guy and a girl, I think they're married. uh, One of them lit himself on fire on the property, sued, and got the entire property. That's apparently how they got the place. Which, look, if you're going to create the socialist utopia for millennials, that's a better way to do it than this Black Hammer group. Have you heard of this group? 
They are an anti-colonial organization dedicated to getting our land back. Join us today in making a city with no rent, no KKK cops, KKK, OPS, cops, get it, no Rona or colonizers at blackhammer.org. And so I saw a tweet of theirs the other day. <laughs> it says, uh, thanks to all of you, Black Hammer has successfully liberated 200 acres of land to build our city for colonized people only. We're located high up in the mountains, 10,000 feet in the air with rich soil. We have one lake and three rivers on our land. This is an incredible milestone and achievement for anti-colonial revolution and would not have been possible without the contribution of colonized people worldwide. And then they have a GoFundMe link. Keep paying us. Okay. By the way, this, this sounds familiar. I think didn't every college pothead have this idea with all of their friends? I think, yeah. yeah, I did. The big chill did. Come on. So, um, first off, you need to go find this. I posted a link at the Patreon prep sheet. The replies are hilarious. As Alan in Tennessee pointed out, you can't grow anything at 10,000 feet. Okay. This guy says, rich soil. Dude, that soil's so poor it can't even pay attention. He says, I feel like instead of your mama jokes, we're going to have a new wave of your soil jokes. Like, your soil's so poor, it sends letters to the welfare office using food stamps. <laughs> I'm going to be, he says, I'm gonna, one person said, I'm going to be real here. Um, the land is beautiful, but completely unsuitable for what you want to use it for. You didn't buy those rivers or the lake. You just bought the land. Winter is pretty brutal in the Rocky Mountains, and it's going to start snowing around like the 1st of September. Yeah, Donner Party. Your, your table is ready. Uh, they liberated ancestrally indigenous land by purchasing it. <laughs> they bought it and said, um, also, did you buy the water rights with that property? You do know about water rights right? Plus, they don't have any rights to any of the river water in Colorado. How much of the land do you have left uh, with uh, when you take out all of the rivers and the lake? That's what you actually have. Also, the canyons and the rocks, you, you can't farm on that, and the land is not big enough to ranch. So, <laughs> and then my favorite, um, well, this is going to be used to mock leftists for years. Say like, hey, didn't like 30 of you guys die on a mountain in like 2021? Yeah, we did. That's <laughs> Uh, all right, comrades, you can see like they're reading these replies and they're like, okay, comrades, our next target, a bridge in Brooklyn. We're totally going to buy it. <laughs> that is a wrap for the episode. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. It is available at thepetecalendarshow.com. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs>